you know, you may not understand this and be able to put it into an actual context until you've been at a place where you had absolutely nothing to go for, when you've had nothing to live for, and when you have had absolutely no hope and no faith that your life was ever going to get better. You know, you say that one day, all of a sudden, you're divorced, and you're out on the streets, you don't have any enough income to live off of, you don't have enough income to support your kids, you don't have any food in the cupboard to feed yourself, and you're, you're struggling every single day just to keep your head above water. In those particular type of, types of moments, do you really trust God? Do you put your trust in him? Everything that you are, everything that you have, do you put it in him and say, Lord, I know I can't eat today. I know I can't pay my bills today and I might get evicted tomorrow. But Lord, regardless, I put all of my trust in you simply because you are you. Can you do that? I can't. When I was in that situation, I couldn't do it. I struggled every day, and I questioned God. And I would just assume, okay, I guess, God, you've turned your back on me. You don't care about me because you're not doing anything for me. And, and later, I would discover, oh, no, he was with me every step of the way. But at that moment, I questioned him, and I doubted him. And my hunch is you have too. Or perhaps when you get a diagnosis that's not favorable and you know that you're going to have a long road ahead and it doesn't look real good. And, and in that situation, can you say, you know what, I may have terminal cancer, I might have uh, some other type of disease, but you know I'm going to trust God because he's in control and I have faith in him. Can you do that? And have you done that? Or, or perhaps you're, you're a pastor of a church and... And you come into a situation where you have to sing to iTunes. And you're like, Lord, I hate iTunes. I mean, it's great in the car, but not in the sanctuary. Lord, I can't sing to iTunes. And three months goes by and you're like, Lord, you're not answering my prayers here. Uh, my my good, uh, one of my favorite pastors, T.D. Jakes, he said something in a video. He said, um, he said, you whine and you cry because you don't have the money to pay for the kids Christmas this year. And you're all upset and worked up because God hasn't given you the money to buy their Christmas presents. And you're so focused on Christmas that you can't see beyond Christmas. God isn't concerned about this Christmas. That's not that big a deal. Because he might be bringing something into your life in February that's going to bless your next 10 Christmases. But we're so hypersensitive and focused on that one thing that we, we want and we believe and we're depending on and trusting in. God doesn't play that game. God is looking for the longevity. But can you trust him in those moments? So to trust in God, I think, is a lot different than just, I trust God. Because to say I trust in God means that I, only, I don't only just trust him, I trust in his ways. And his ways don't make sense to me. Perhaps that's why it says, and lean not on your own understanding. You just can't do it. I know you may think that you're incredibly intelligent, you're incredibly wise and gifted, and you have more life experiences than anyone else in their one finger, and you have more education than most people in their, in their pinky finger, but 
Don't lean on your own understanding because if you do that, you have to take the focus off of God to put it upon yourself. And I promise you that there's no competition there, okay? The scriptures have made it very clear to me. There's no competition. In, in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, it says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And then if you go to 1 Corinthians 1, it says this. Is that 1 Corinthians 1 or Romans? Okay, 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and 27 through 28. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things. Sorry, page two. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not in order to nullify the things that are. Why? Why would he do that? So that no one may boast. In other words, we are trusting in God. We're trusting in his ways. And his ways are not your ways. They're not going to make sense to you. You can't try to make sense of everything. You just trust that he knows what he's doing. I mean, have you ever thought, I wonder if Adam and Eve ever sat around talking and they said, you know what? Why did God put a tree in the garden and then tell us we can't touch it? They probably talked about it till they were blue in the face. We can't figure it out. We're smart people. We just don't understand. Nobody said, well, why don't you ask him? No, that was not because we don't go there, right? Um, Lean not on your understanding. Quit trying to figure it out. Just trust. That's hard for some people because they're control freaks. All right, I'm a control freak, all right? I've been there. Have you ever thought, I wonder if Job ever thought to himself, why did the Lord let the devil tempt him like he did? Why did he lose all of his children's and all of children's? Um, Eastern Kentucky flashback, sorry. But, uh, but why did God take his children? Why did God allow him to lose his property and all of his wealth? Now, later, it came to, it came to, he came to understanding. But at that moment, he's like, this makes no sense, God, no sense. His wife said, curse God and die. His friend said, oh, dude, you might as well turn your back. Why did God allow that to happen? Now, remember, I'm not looking for answers to all these questions. We're just laying out the questions that we struggle with. Why did he do that? Why would Jesus heal this person but not this person? Why would Jesus walk on water to calm the storms in the life of the disciples? There's just so much. Why would he turn water into wine at the first wedding? Why did he talk to his mom the way he did? Why did he let those those Roman soldiers arrest him in the garden and put him on a cross? Why did he descend or ascend back into heaven afterwards? You know, they, they had to ask these questions. Why does he let you fall on your face? Why does he let you buy things you can't afford? Why does he let you marry people that you're not going to like? Why does he let you take jobs that you're going to hate? Why does he let you sleep late on a Sunday morning instead of going to church? Why does he give one person a half million dollar home and the next person a a $2,000 apartment. That doesn't make sense. 
But you see, his ways are not our ways. They're they're not going to make sense. But what he's asking is not that we make sense of it, but that we just trust that he knows what he's doing. He might be preparing you to be the best missionary, the most effective missionary this world has ever known, like Hudson Taylor, if you read his biography. He might be preparing you to to be the wealthiest person to ever walk on, on this planet. He might be preparing you uh, for the loss of a child or, or a, a two years of unemployment. I don't know. His ways are different than our ways. We can't make sense of it. But he says to trust him with all of our essence regardless and just to give him, just have, give him the benefit of the doubt. Proverbs 1.4. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. In Romans 1, 21 through 23, it says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their futile thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. They claimed to be wise, they became fools, and exchange the glory of the immortal God for images, for crying out loud, images made to look like mortal man, birds, animals, reptiles. What kind of an intelligent person, a believer in, in the Lord, creates idols and decides to worship them versus the God who is living and wants a relationship? It makes no sense. Much of what we do in this world doesn't make sense. Why do you go visit this church but not this church? Why do you join this church, not this church? Why do you decide to to read your Bible on this day but not this day? Nothing makes sense, but God does if we just trust him. And you know, the whole thing is when I became a believer and a pastor, I didn't know anything about this book. I knew so little I was embarrassed by it. And then I go to my first church, and they're like, oh, what do you think about Matthew 10? And I'm like, is there one? Is, I'm assuming it's after Matthew 9? I knew nothing. And so I made a point to, to say to God and to say to the church at that time, my first church, I don't know this book very well, but because of the salvation that he's brought in me, the change of heart that he's done in me, and the new life that he has given for me, I'm just going to trust this book, every bit of it, to the fullest of my ability. And where I can't fathom the, the, the sense of it and where I can't put two plus two together, I'm just going to trust him anyway and trust that eventually he'll tell me these things. So there are passages that I read that don't make sense. There are things that the Bible says that I don't agree with, that I don't like, but I didn't write the book. He is God. I'm not. He reminds me of that frequently. And in that not-godness, I have to trust him. I have to lean on him for understanding because I don't get it. In verse 6, he says, In all of your ways... Acknowledge him. God's ways, our ways. In our ways, acknowledge him. Why is that important? I think what's important is to understand what does it mean, our ways? What are your ways and what are my ways? Now, I'm not talking about aspirational ways. 
well, well, I'm a good person, you know, I'm like Mother Teresa in this part of the country, you know, because I'm a godly person. If you have to tell somebody you're a godly person, you're probably not, all right? Well, let's, let's throw that out there. What are your ways, your, your real ways? What are your, your true, effectual, honest ways? What are your ways? Brokenness, ineptness, um, weakness, loneliness, mistake after mistake after mistake. Every once in a while, you might be able to find an acorn. Every blind squirrel can. You might have one day where you're like, you know what? I impressed myself today. Well, be careful because God's going to humble you tomorrow. What are your ways? Your ways are those things. Your brokenness, your, your, your miss, your under, I can't even talk. Your cluelessness. In your cluelessness, trust in the Lord. In your brokenness, trust in the Lord. In your loneliness, trust in the Lord. In all of your ways, trust in him. He will get you through it. It says, he will make your path straight. He will make your path straight. Now, the word picture for that, which I had no clue, and I still don't know what, how it makes sense. Remember, I'm not a scholar here. But the way this is supposed to be seen, like if you, had a, um, if you were a farmer, and over here is a water source, and you wanted to guide water from this water source to your fields where you need it, you're going to basically make a path for that water to trickle in the direction you want. That's what it's talking about. God's going to make a path from the source of life to where your needy situation is. He's going to direct that flow of provision to you as you need it, where you need it, and because you need it. That's pretty good stuff right there. In other words, you don't have to do it yourself. You don't have to create your own provision. You don't have to create your own source here. You just have to trust God that he's going to get you through it. And that's not easy. But the question is, do you trust the Lord with all that you are and all that you have and all that you ever will be? And if you do, can you back it up? Let's pray. Gracious Father, we pray a prayer of repentance because we know we don't trust you with everything. The minute we go a day wanting something, we get a little anxious. The minute you don't give us what we ask for, we start to question whether or not you really exist. Father, you're telling us that we should just trust you regardless of what we want regardless of what we need, regardless of what your plans for us are, you're just asking us to trust you. And Lord, we're, we're deficient. We don't trust you because we let ourselves get in the way too much. So Lord, I pray right now that you'll help all of us to just humble ourselves in your presence, to just hold out our hands and to grasp whatever truth we can find from you Help us, Lord, just to be a people who walk by faith and trust in you every moment of every day. We know there's going to be hardship, but we trust you. We know there's going to be blessing, but we trust you. Please, Lord, bring us to a place of complete and total trust so that we won't stress ourselves out at night and those around us. In Christ we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and sing.